Good morning. Um, my name is Evan Terrell. I'm a new engineer with ARS. Um, I started like the end of 2020. Um, I'm from around here. I'm from Lafayette. My dad's from Raceland, so I'm new to sugar research, but I've been around here for a while. So today I'm talking about the effect of harvest weather on molasses purity and target purity difference. It's okay. Um, so an overview of this talk, I have an introduction, what's you know, target purity, target purity difference, and then the methodology of the data we have, and then uh, the temperature and rainfall, and looking more at the molasses survey data and how those things come together, and then um, we'll try to look more closely at temperature anomalies and those implications, and then some conclusions and future work that we can do. Um, and the motivation here is really how do we lose, stop losing sugar to molasses, and can the molasses tell us anything? So the target purity difference is, um, is what you use to measure molasses exhaustion during raw sugar production, and it's based on target purity, which is a theoretical estimate of the maximum amount of molasses, of uh, the maximum you can remove from the molasses, sucrose, and this is the formula that uh, the Ag Center uses. So the, the main thing is it's based on the ratio between the reducing sugars and the conductivity ash. Um, and that has to do with how those things affect sucrose solubility. Um, and so the target purity difference is just the true purity of the molasses measured with HPLC uh, minus the target purity. So ideally, you want that number to be zero. Of course, it never is, but the lower, the better. And that tells you how well the molasses exhaustion is going. Um, some specific things we wanted to ask in this work is, do harvest weather conditions tell us anything about TPD? Um, to what extent, if anything, can the molasses data be explained by the weather? And what more kind of data can we get from the molasses survey? Uh, it's a huge effort, and so there's all this data, and so we wanted to try to take a closer look at it. Um, so the Audubon Molasses Survey data, which was generously shared by Jillian Eggleston and her team, um, they look at uh, several things, but the ones we're focusing on here is the reducing sugar, so glucose and fructose from HPLC. Conductivity ash is also measured. Um, and then the target purity, which is calculated from that function before of the reducing sugar to ash ratio, and then TPD based on um, the true purity and the target purity. And then independently, um, on my side, we looked at the weather data we, from NOAA, where we could find it. Um, we took weekly averages for temperature and rainfall corresponding with the weekly molasses data and based on what we could find in NOAA, uh, the 11 sugar factories were divided up among Baton Rouge, New Iberia, Generet, and Thibodeau, sort of geographically, um, which is not perfect, but it's kind of the best we could do for now. And then all the data analysis is with various tools in Excel and Python. Um, so this is just the temperature and rainfall by itself. There's no molasses data here. Um, so on one side, the temperature on the vertical axis and then the weak number during the sugar production season on the horizontal axis. 
Um, on average, the temperature is strictly decreasing in Louisiana, which is just another way to say it gets cold in winter. So the important thing to consider is that if you're trying to look at harvest weather, especially the temperature, it's difficult to decouple that from the time and season because the temperature is only dropping from September through January, more or less. Um, the rainfall is pretty much constant. This is the average, average rainfall in inches um, on the vertical axis. It's about between zero and a half an inch a week on average. There's a peak around um, like the end of August, beginning of September when hurricane season is typically the worst. So you have some big rain events that drive up a weekly average. But in general, the average amount is pretty constant. So this is, uh, hopefully not too small up there. This is the molasses data against the time and season and the temperature. So the horizontal axis on all these plots is the average temperature of the week. And then the color is the week number. And then the vertical axis from left to right or right to left is true purity, reducing sugar and conductivity ash. So with the true purity um, on one far end, there's not a whole lot really to say, only looking at the true purity in terms of the effect of temperature, time and season. Um, the reducing sugar content, glucose and fructose, goes up with respect to temperature. So when it's hotter outside, there's more reducing sugar. And of course, that's the opposite with the time and season because in the winter, it's colder. Um, so these, these plots, although they're, the horizontal axis is the temperature, you have an opposite trend with the time and season. So reducing sugar goes up with temperature. The conductivity ash goes down um, with the time and season. I mean, with the temperature or the opposite with the time and season. So because the reducing sugar and conductivity ash have these trends, um, when you run that through the formula to calculate target purity, then they have the same effect on the target purity and you get a decreasing trend. Uh, so these plots, I kept the true purity is the same on one side and then target purity in the middle and TPD on the other side. Um, so again, with true purity being more or less flat, it's, or at least a wide range and no obvious trend, and the target purity going down with temperature, uh, when you take the difference, the TPD goes up. So we thought this was at least worth taking a closer look um, at the temperature specifically because we do see these trends. Uh, the rainfall data is not too much to say. There's kind of an artifact of the time and season. You can see with the color gradient. Um, I won't spend too much time on this, but basically the rainfall doesn't tell us much. You don't get these nice lines that are easy to see. Um, it's kind of all over the place. So this is true purity reducing sugar and ash. Uh, this is true purity, target purity, and TPD with the rainfall. So at least in terms of the molasses data, not to say rainfall doesn't mean anything, but when we're looking at the molasses data when it's presented like this, there's not a whole lot we can say, um, especially relative to the temperature. So the next thing we tried to do, um, we know the temperature goes down in the winter, that's obvious, but there's some cold weeks early in the season and there's some hot weeks late in the season. 
depending on the year. So in order to try to isolate for the effect of time and season and look at temperature by itself, um, we looked at all of the data we had and tried to find instances where there was a cold week early in the season and then compare it to a hot week, unusually hot week, late in the season. So like in 2015, week number nine was pretty cold. Week number 12 was above average in temperature. Um, 2018, there was a mid-season freeze. So we looked at that was a cold, a cold week pretty early on. And then week number 15, more or less, there was pretty hot. So we wanted to compare these temperature anomalies um, where the hot week happens later than the cold week. So there's a lot on this slide, but the way this data is presented, this is all of the parameters from before. So true purity, reducing sugar, conductivity ash, target purity, and target purity difference. Um, and when you have a red bar and a blue bar, the red bar is the hot week that happened later in the season, and the blue bar is the cold week that happened earlier in the season. So specifically, if we look at the reducing sugar, which among all of those was the one that was the most interesting, um, in general, the reducing sugars go down during the time and season, but when there's a hot week later in the season, there's still more reducing sugar compared to a cold week. So if there's a cold week in October and a hot week in December, even though December is later in the season, December still may have more reducing sugar if it's hot outside when the sugar cane is harvested. Um, so we think maybe this might be evidence of maybe some microbial or enzymatic sucrose losses. Um, if you look at the reducing sugar plot, so this trend, hot versus cold weeks, was true 2014, 15, 16, and 17. 2018, the blue and red bars are flipped, but there was freeze-damaged sugarcane in 2018. Um, so we think that might point even more to this effect of bacteria and um, those kind of things that are causing sucrose degradation. And then the TPD shows the same trend on average. The error bars are bigger because it's a little bit more of a calculated indirect measurement. Um, so in general, we think maybe the temperature during the harvest still is going to show up when you're looking at the molasses data in terms of specifically the reducing sugar content. Um, and then that has an effect on the TPD calculations. So the main takeaways from this work is, first of all, temperature is strongly correlated with time and season. So it's difficult to talk about temperature by itself. So that's one challenge, because it just gets colder during the winter. Um, when we're looking at the molasses data alone, rainfall doesn't tell us too much. So, or at least what we see doesn't tell us too much. Rainfall still means a lot, but only on the manufacturing side. We're looking at the molasses, rainfall maybe has less utility. Um, and what we saw is more mature sugarcane later in the season. You have less reducing sugar, more ash, higher target purity, and lower target purity difference based on this molasses data survey campaign over seven years. Those are the trends. Um, and when you take a closer look at the effect of temperature to isolate for the time and season, there's some evidence to suggest that hot weeks still correspond to more reducing sugars. So even if it's later in the season, but it's really hot outside, there might be more of a reducing sugar problem. Um, and then some of the other things we still need to do is 
uh, we have this year's data, we need to fold all that in and then go through you know, how we entered everything. We picked four weather stations, maybe we could pick five, maybe we could pick fewer. Um, we can do a lot better with the statistical analysis to start to say what's significant and what's not. Um, so that's on the horizon. And then there's a lot of, I think, a lot of experimental work and things that we can measure directly based on what we saw here. Um, and if we're talking about microbial activity, that sort of ties in nicely with dextran, starch, fructans, and that kind of thing that we need to keep looking at more closely. Um, also, all of this is taken on a weekly basis. So it's a tremendous effort and a, a ton of work goes into curating all this data. Um, but on a week-to-week -week basis, some things might be washed out. So if we know that there's an early season cold front or a late season heat wave, we might want to take daily temperature and molasses measurements on those days to see if um, on a day-to-day -day basis can we directly measure these effects instead of looking at seven years at a time. Um, so that's kind of all the things we're working on. I want to stay engaged with Audubon Sugar. Um, and again, thanks to them and they shared that data with us, which has been great. 